So I'm in Los Angeles for a couple, you know, you know, actually that's really an arrogant thing. <laughs> that's really an arrogant thing of me to say. I'm in Los Angeles. If you, if you looked at a map of this city and God, you know, this is just an enormous city. I heard yesterday that the valley alone is bigger than Chicago. Anyway, if you looked at a map of this city, and then, and then I drew on there with a magic marker the places I had been, you would barely be able to tell I had been here at all. I mean, if I then claimed, oh yeah, I was in LA, I saw the city, you know, you would just laugh your ass off at me. So anyway, something happened a couple days ago in LA that apparently was very traumatic for the city. It, uh, it rained, and people apparently weren't driving to work because it rained, and schools were getting shut down. You know, seeing this reaction, and again, where I'm from, that's just a normal day, sort of reminded me that anxiety is a constant. You know, I see this all the time in, in my own behavior. When things are going well, Small problems, small inconveniences take on this larger-than-life feel. I start to get anxious or worried about relatively minor problems. But then when something really happens that's bad, when I have a real problem, those smaller problems just dwindle away into the insignificance that they deserve. You know, safer people freak out over smaller problems. And so in Los Angeles, that's, that's the rain. I think in, in the South, it's concerns over snow, you know, when they close an airport for half an inch. When, <laughs> when I was a kid, we would get a foot of snow and the schools stayed open. I mean, I'm sure the parents were secretly calling the schools, begging them to stay open, you know. Get this little angel out of here. I need a nap. I mean, God forbid they close the schools for one day as if we were going to learn something at the age of seven on that Thursday that was going to be so important for the rest of our lives that we couldn't get a snow day. That's such an old man thing to say. When I, when I was a kid... Looking back, though, when I was a kid... I think kids were afraid of their parents. I think, now, I think now parents are afraid of their children. The parents are always worried the kid's taking mental notes, you know, like they have child protective services on speed dial or something. I was down by the beach the other day, and there was a group of kids in, the, in this empty parking lot, and they were, they were playing on bikes. But the bicycles were really horses, and... They were mounting these fierce charges against their enemies. And, you know, they were just having the best time. Racing around, swerving between each other, hollering, yelling, laughing. And then, of course, one of the parents came and scolded them for riding their bikes too closely together. And, you know, just like that, all the joy disappeared, like air out of a balloon or something. The noise, the noise stopped. The madcap scramble stop. You know, I was down there riding one of those lime scooters, sort of watching this from a distance. But, 
even I could tell they were not riding too closely together. And how, you know, how did I know this? Because they hadn't crashed into each other. And God forbid if they had crashed, what would have happened? They would have gotten banged up a little bit and learned something. What did they learn instead? Dad is the enemy of fun. It's a strange concept as I get older to think that parents are more concerned about safety now when kids are safer than they've ever been. This is such a weird idea. As things get better, our acceptance of anything bad goes down. And so we never feel safer. Our yardstick changes. If anxiety is a constant or if safety is a constant, I think the perception of tolerance is a constant as well. Our society is more tolerant today than ever before. And it's still moving in the right direction. Think about how gays were treated a generation ago, blacks two generations ago, women three generations ago, or the Polish, <laughs> you know, four generations ago. You know, no group has it perfect, but we're going in the right direction. But as society gets better, we're noticing smaller and smaller mistakes. You know, we're ascribing sins to smaller and smaller misunderstanding. We're, how can I put this? We're, we're searching for the moat in our neighbor's eye. And I think this is utopianism, right? Because utopianism demands perfection. Nothing is perfect. Nothing is perfect. And utopianism demands that anything that's not perfect must be destroyed. Therefore, everything must be destroyed. It's a very seductive pitch because we're all victims on some axis. And that makes us susceptible, I guess, to this ideology of resentment and anger. At the same time, on some axis, we're all the oppressor. Just living in this country makes us an oppressor. And that means all of that resentment and anger and rage eventually just gets turned back on ourselves. We, we become the method or the instrument of our own destruction. I think we're seeing examples of that destruction right now in a sort of comical way, at least from a distance, when someone famous has a tweet unearthed from a decade ago and everyone gets all, you know, righteous and indignant, you know, reprehensible. Here's what cracks me up. Who's taking the time to go through tens of thousands of old tweets to find these skeletons? Are people doing this on their own? Or is this like the shitty assignment you get from your boss on a Friday afternoon? You know, <laughs> like Lumberg swinging by your cubicle in office space. Gonna need you to come in on Saturday, go through old Snapchat, and you're like, ah, don't worry, boss, we got a team of interns working around the clock. They're going through social media archives on every potential politician. <laughs> I mean, just imagine having that job. You meet someone at a cocktail party, what do you do? 
I, uh, I read old Facebook posts looking for naughty words. Ah, okay. Does that come with dental? Anyway, so I'm in L.A., and I'm staying at an Airbnb, and, oh my god, Airbnbs have a way of constantly reminding me of my own incompetence. Often, there, there's a coffee machine. I tend to view strange coffee machines with apprehension. And by strange, I mean any coffee machine, basically, <laughs> that isn't an espresso with those little capsules. And so I approached the strange device, like the ape in, um, in that movie, 2001. I sort of poke at it with a stick. Reveal your secrets, oh strange device. Oh my god. You would think I would be able to take a coffee maker and make coffee. <laughs> I add hot water. I add coffee. Coffee should come out. No. No. Instead, I basically end up breaking the machine. I spend an hour cleaning up the goddamn mess. And then the apartment reeks of coffee for the next day. Just this constant reminder that I'm incapable of doing even simple things. And you know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's the universe reminding me <laughs> that any time I get complacent, reality is just going to smack me upside the head. Just when I think I know something, ba ba ba, I know how to handle this. You know, that's when <laughs> that's when I really get into trouble. Or you know, maybe, maybe that's just some self-serving bullshit to make me feel better. I don't know. Jesus. Okay. I am over time. I apologize. <laughs> I will, uh, I'll catch you later.